Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. so thankful, Lord. We, we rejoice with the heavenlies for every soul that was saved this morning. We give you glory, Lord, and we pray and we seal the work of your Spirit in those lives this morning by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to complete that work that you've started. And we ask, Lord, that truly that the power of the gospel will do a, a transformational work in the lives of those men. In the name of Jesus, we commit them to your grace. And we thank you, Lord, for this incredible opportunity. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you direct us so clearly and that your kingdom will come in power in everything that happens there, Lord, in Jesus' name. And every time we gather there, we, every time your name is lifted up, we pray, Lord, that, you are, that your presence will just cover that place your glory and your peace, Lord, in Jesus' name, that truly the lives will be transformed, Lord, from darkness to your light, from, from despair to hope, Lord, that you will bring transformation that only you can bring, Lord, in Jesus' name, and that truly your kingdom will come in that place. Lord, direct our steps. Give us wisdom. Lord, stir our hearts with compassion and, and let us be um, salt and light. Let us um, represent you well, God, in that place, that your name that we would, yeah, that we would be, that what we do will be pleasing to you there, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, "Amen, Amen." Thanks so much. So, yeah, if you can, let chat, chat to one of us. Um, do you have a question? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Okay. Yeah, just a um, conviction to pray for each especially the men that were saved, to pray for them in my name. So if you can remind me that we do that properly. Amen. Let's do that. Hallelujah. What a blessing. David, my son, is turning nine tomorrow. That's hectic, eh? It's amazing. He is such a blessing. Sometimes he has his moments, then he comes to me with his um, voice. I just tell him, no, go back. Change it. <laughs> Come with a friendly voice. But besides that, he's amazing. He's such a blessing. Really enjoying him. I think it's since he's begun, began tithing, because the Lord is blessing that boy. Eh? I don't know. It's a good sign. I'm going to start loaning money from him. But um, he had his party on Friday. <laughs> and the, I don't know what he did or what he, if he did advertise beforehand, but the peop, these boys came with cash. Eh? I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know if he was kind of canvassing or something, but I'm like, geez, I don't know what happened there. May, I'm, I'm going to just explain to him. Since he began tithing, that's why. <laughs> In any case, what a blessing. It's such fun. All right, hallelujah. Um, yeah, just a couple of things in my heart this morning, and I, I want to be too long. Um, I want us to be able to all join there at the baptism. But, and we're having communion at the end. So if you forget, just remind me. But... Um, Let's read from Luke chapter 10. Um, Jesus at the house of Mary and Martha. From 38. Now while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany 
And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to advantage, which will not be taken away from her. You are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Hallelujah. Sure, guys, we, we're living in a, in a world that is, is all about that, isn't it? So many things. So, so we are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but I experience this is real. There are so many things. Um, and I heard Andy Bird minister about this a while ago, and he just say, he's saying how he often was convicted he was condemned by the scripture because he was feeling that he's serving, he's wanting to serve and contribute was a problem. And, and he was he's that way inclined. And I think often we are, we are inclined towards doing things and getting stuff done for God and, you know, building the kingdom. And he said something really powerful, which really, which made me think differently about the scripture. And he's saying, that's not the problem. That was not the issue. The serving was not the issue. <laughs> the doing the things and serving God and getting stuff ready and stuff. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that she was anxious and bothered and worried in her serving. And that the distractions, most translations say that she was distracted by much serving. And so it wasn't the, the thing that she was doing that was the problem, but but that she was allowing herself to be anxious and worried and distracted. Now, in, the, in the, those days, the, the homes weren't huge, so she would and probably not more than one room even. So she, if you think about it practically, she would probably be able to do what she was doing and still listen and still hear what Jesus was saying because it was not a massive place. But, but her heart wasn't there. Are you with me? And that's what I feel is on my heart this morning is that we in this space, let's go to the next slide. We're in this um, life where there's so many things, stuff calling for our attention, so many distractions. I found this thing, weapons of mass distraction. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you know, somebody, we juggle stuff. We, um, we feel like, you know, by Friday, by Thursday, we, un we start unraveling. My sister, we, we, uh, we pray. Uh, uh, once in a while, once in a month, my sisters and I pray over 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 this um, WhatsApp call, and we pray for our family, and and we pray pray on Monday normally, and then she we prayed, and, and then she said, "What is it? Only Monday? <laughs> it felt like Thursday, you know." And sometimes we feel like that, you know, we start unraveling, and we, and by Tuesday, Wednesday, and it, anyway, there's so many things, um, but I have such a conviction that. That we are in a season where God is helping us 
to look to the one thing that is really important. And I'll share a bit, maybe I can share about it now, but what Pastor Heinrich, Heinrich, he doesn't like us calling Pastor Heinrich, but Heinrich, we're not so big on titles here. But um, Heinrich, our apostolic team leader, he, he was sharing about how he really has this conviction that God is, as he did with Israel, taking them into the promised land. There was a consecration time in those few days leading up to that, they crossing the Jordan. I'm going to read that scripture just in a bit. There was a consecration time, and, and he was just sharing, and I have such a, I can so resonate with what he was sharing that God is preparing us, and there's a, there's a cleansing happening, a consecration happening for where God is taking us. Um, and I really believe that our Convergence Conference has, is going to be a key moment in that, in that process. Um, but it's so, now this is what I, I feel that God is, for us to be able to engage with that process, or part of that process is us being able to focus and set aside the stuff that is not of Him, the stuff that is just not necessarily bad or sinful, but not, not beneficial, as the Scriptures is not upbuilding, not exhorting, not pointing us to Christ. Are you with me this morning? Okay, um, I want to read this bit from First Samuel. Oh, yes, and, and just in terms of the bit of the life of David, because he found this one thing, didn't he? This is, it's, it's kind of all over his life. He, he, had, he had some experience with God at a young age, which put him on a track, and it put him on a, an, an a trajectory that was different from his peers. And a moment, one of the moments that kind of illustrates this was when he was anointed. So just put yourself in the, in the shoes of this family for a moment. So the prophet um, Samuel, not Elijah, Samuel comes and he's, he's going to come and anoint the new king. This is his, his instruction from the Lord. Um, but they don't know this, obviously. They, he comes to town. Firstly, the elders of the town come to him trembling. They're like, are you coming in peace? <laughs> okay. Because this is the guy, you know, that he's, he speaks what God speaks. He's, you know, stuff happens when Samuel is around. It's not always, not, you know, it's sometimes it's scary stuff that happens. And uh, so they ask him, are you coming in peace? He says, yes, yes, I'm coming in peace at all. You know, we're just going to sacrifice together. And then they're all relieved. But um, so this is, this is probably, besides King Saul, the most important person in the whole kingdom. Okay, you with me? So, for instance, in England, we've got the Queen and the Prime Minister. So it's like one of them, like one of them coming to your house. Okay. Um, so when he said he wants to go come and sacrifice with Jesse and his family, that was the the most important day of their lives. Do you, are you with me? This was like the the biggest thing that's ever happened to them. This the Prophet Samuel is coming to their house and he wants to see all the sons and he wants to, them to sacrifice with him. This is huge. Um, so I'm sure there was a lots of scuttling, running around and getting ready and getting stuff sorted out. And the key thing here is David wasn't invited. He wasn't there. So this gives you a kind of a glimpse into his standing in the family. Okay, This is the most important moment of the family's history. For generations before and generations after, nothing like this has ever happened to them. 
but he's not invited. He's not, they forgot about him, all right? They didn't think even to tell him, hey, the prophet is coming. How should we get all of No. So this gives you, are you with me? So there's clearly a lot of rejection happening. There's clearly this guy isn't worth much. He's out there with the sheep. They don't really see him as any, of any kind of significance or importance. But even in the midst of that kind of rejection, that kind of, um, you know, my whole family doesn't think of me of being worth anything, he had something that he received from God, something that, that, um, that the Lord noticed. He, later on, the Lord says, a man after my own heart, right? Let's just read this bit here, but he says, uh, Jesse had seven sons of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these, and before that, he was, the Lord was telling him, I'm not looking at the exterior, because all of these seven sons, or many of them had great qualities. And, and the, first, the eldest, Samuel, looked at him and said, surely this must be the one. You know, he was a huge guy, and, you know, it, it, everything about him just said this, you know, he thought this must be the one. And then the, the Lord said to him, I'm not looking at the exterior. I don't look like you do. I look at, at the heart. And then he, you know, all the sons, and ugh, you can just imagine the excitement. If it, the, everybody must have assumed it must be the eldest, but then it wasn't. So then everybody else said, maybe I have a chance, you know, maybe it's me. <laughs> and then nothing. And then they're like all perplexed, what's going on? And they so he asked, Jesse, are these all, all the sons that you have? Like, did I, hear, did I miss God? What's going on? And he's like, oh, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. He's, he's in, the, in the felt somewhere. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had him brought him. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. So even in the midst of that kind of rejection, even in the midst of that kind of you are worthless, you're nothing, we don't know, care about you, he was glowing. So he had found something in the presence of God that meant that all of that other stuff that was going on in his family life didn't matter. He was glowing. Isn't that powerful? He had found something. And we read that in the Psalms. We see that in the Psalms. We see that he had, he had connected with God in a way that had defined him to a place that he can be glowing even in the midst of that kind of rejection by his family. I mean, the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So he had found something. And I just want us to read briefly at another Psalm of David, uh, Psalm 27. It also ref kind of points to this. And I want to, can't spend too much time, but I'm just kind of laying the foundation here that what does that look like? What is that thing that, that, that God has prepared for us, that His presence, His um to seek him. And, um, and this psalm was written, uh, scholars say that this was written in a time where Absalom, David's son, took, you know, by force the kingdom and he took control over the kingdom. So this is probably one of the worst moments of David's life, okay? Because his own son has, has you know, they've organized this coup and they've by force, taken control. He didn't retaliate at all. He just kind of, David didn't fight him at all. He just, um, you know, fled. And so this is crazy. He's lost his kingdom. He's lost, he's losing his son. He's, 
he's, he's wrestling through this incredibly traumatic moment. Okay? But this is what he writes. He doesn't say, Lord, return the kingdom to me. Deliver me from my, you know, okay, I did pray some of that. But he didn't talk about his glory or his kingdom or his power or his authority. This is what he writes. One thing I have I asked of the Lord, that, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In the midst of that chaos, in the midst of him running for his life because his own son wants to kill him <laughs> and has taken everything from him, he's not concerned about his power, his authority, his position, his, his retirement fund, his benefits that he's going to lose out on, the perks. You know, can you see that? Can you see his heart? He's saying the one thing I have asked and one thing I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, I might dwell in his presence, that I might gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. So we can get a glimpse into what is making this guy glow when everything else is coming at him. Are you with me? And I really believe that is the place that God prepares for us, a place where we, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the many things that want to cause anxiety, that want to cause us to stress and worry and run after stuff, in the midst of that, that we would be in a place of rest in terms of our focus on Him and our receiving everything we need from Him. Are you with me? Amen. Um, one of the things that, one of the biggest things I believe that the enemy throws at us is fear. That thing that, that makes us anxious, those, that thing that wants to paralyze us, you know, the fear of the unknown, the fear of so many things. You know, Abby and I, my eldest, she's 11, we had a, quite a good chat about this the other day. And I explained to her you know, how this is one of the only weapons that the enemy has left, that he wants to deceive and he wants to cause us to fear. And then, uh, and then we spoke about Peter and how he was, you know, Jesus, Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. And, and we were chatting through that. And she, she caught this whole principle that while Peter was focusing on Jesus, everything was fine. <laughs> and he was actually walking on water. But then he's, he was distracted. And he became afraid because he was, you realize, oh dear, this is actually serious. There's waves and there's wind and there's stuff happening. <laughs> and the moment he took his eyes off Christ, the moment he allowed fear, the moment he allowed distraction, he started to sink. And I could really see uh, kind of grasping that, that that would be one of the tools of the enemy is to get us to take our eyes off Christ. Amen? All right, so I want us to look at um, just this bit that I was talking about in terms of us as a show for family, moving into a, a different season, moving into a, a you know a season that we're crossing uh, crossing into the, over the Jordan basically, and this is what Heinrich has been sharing, and and whether we have a clear understanding of what that looks like is irrelevant. But what we have seen over the past month is that across our church family, there's a cleansing happening. There's a shaking, a bit of a shaking happening. There's 
as if, and I've experienced this in my own life, you know, as if the Lord is saying, okay, this might have been okay for a season, but now it's not okay. Now we need to get this stuff out of your heart, out of your head. And it, I'm not only talking about bad habits, but also stuff that said, Lord said, we need less of this stuff and more of this. Are you with me? So there's, there's not, I'm not only talking about sin, I'm also talking about when, when w- there's things that take so much time in our lives that it's, it take, it's taking time away from what's really important. Um, but let's look at the scripture in, where they're just about to cross the Jordan at uh, Joshua chapter 3. So they're preparing, they've gone through a bit of consecration, they've, uh, some needed to be um, circumcised, there, there was prayer happening, there was preparations happening. And verse 2, at the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, and you shall set out from your place and follow it, yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. So he's Excuse me, giving clear instruction. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. There's a bit of humility coming in here. Guys, we don't know this way. God is taking us somewhere. We haven't been this way before. We have to focus. We have to keep an eye on Him. We have to follow His presence, okay? And then He says something really powerful. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourself, for the Lord is about to do wonders. And this is my conviction, is that the Lord is, a, and he is already doing wonders among us. If you just look at all the testimonies from last week, so many people were healed, so many experienced deliverance, so many experienced the power of God. And, and we are going in that direction, not running after the signs, but going after where God is taking us. But I believe there's a consecration that he is asking us of us. Um, you know, the scripture talks about a circumcision of hearts. So in the past, there was a physical circumcision. Now there's a circumcision of hearts. What is in my heart that needs to be cut away? What is in my heart that is excessive? What is in my heart that is not drawing me closer to him? Are you with me this morning? And um, let me just be honest. I can't say I'm at the end of this process. I'm in the middle, okay? So I'm not preaching from a point of this is all finished and done in my life. I'm, re- I'm for preaching from a conviction that this is something God is inviting us to, a consecration and a, a purification, you know? Um, another s- psalm where David writes in um, 24, maybe I should just briefly... Read one or two bits of Psalm 24. He says, it's not on the screen. Um, He says, uh, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. And I believe he's calling us to that place of pure hearts, clean hands, pure hearts, not lifting our souls up to anything else 
okay? Um, not putting anything above what is from Him and what is, what is godly. Okay. So there's the consecration that He is inviting us to. Okay, I want to look at one or two very um, well-known verses that I believe can kind of lead us and guide us. How do we go about this? How do we go about this consecration? And uh, one verse that we always read when we're interceding for something or at a prayer meeting, um, any, any big prayer meeting. The other day we were at a prayer meeting for lots of church leaders where the uh, mayor was also present. And they read this one because they, you can't not have a big prayer meeting without this scripture, right? Second Chronicles seven, fourteen. Um, the problem here is when we read the scripture, we often think, okay, maybe, let me just say this: I read the scripture like often in a way that, okay, there's a bunch of people in this country that need to repent, okay, and once they've repented then the Lord is going to heal our land. Hallelujah. But this is not what this word is saying. He's saying, if my people, is there anybody, my people here? God's people? Let me just see. Just get it out. Yeah, okay, some of us, yeah. <laughs> if my people, <laughs> who are called by my name, yes, amen, humble themselves. So this is not the sinners, guys. This is important one. This is not the... Guys out there, the bad sinners, okay? <laughs> my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. This is not still talking about the same people. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. He's not talking about the ungodly people. He's talking about his people. Talking about us, if we will humble ourselves and if we will pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and he will forgive us and he will heal the land. And so there's a lot in here, guys. And I and I believe this is part of that consecration that, that has to happen, is that that we need to humble ourselves. That's a good start. I mean, then we have grace. Grace comes in when we humble ourselves. If we start by not humbling ourselves, then it's a non-starter because then there's no grace. Humble ourselves, realizing, oh, okay, Lord, this is me. I'm part of this. I'm part of this that has to happen here. I'm humbling myself, praying, and seek his face. So that comes back to that seeking that one thing that is really necessary. I mean, seeking him, seeking Putting things aside, I started deleting stuff off my phone, apps, things that waste time, you know, anything. A while ago, I noticed I can't watch series. I can't do that. It's, it takes so much time. And the guys are so clever. They write the stuff in such a way that you think, you know what, I'm just going to do the first season, and that's it. You know, I'm going to... Binge it, one Saturday, finish it, because they caught me with that first one, right, first episode. So now I'm interested. It's not beneficial, it's not exhorting, it's not bringing me closer to Christ, but I'm interested, right? So now let me just watch this thing, get it done with. I don't know if you work like that, but I tried. It doesn't work, because then by the last one, you know, they, they write it in such a way that they, you think, yeah, but maybe I was just 
check that first one of the next one, right? And then series 15. Anyway, so I don't do that stuff. I just realized it's, I, I, just, I just leave it. Rather, don't even start. Amen? And that's just me, okay? <laughs> but stuff like that, I've decided, okay, not, not anymore. Because it takes so much of my time, and it's not bringing me closer to Christ. And I can't see any good fruit of that stuff in my life. Are you with me? So what are, what are the things that, we, that hinder us from seeking His face? What are the things that when we say, I'm so busy, I've got so many things going on, I can't really get to proper time with God. What are all those things? I once heard a guy ask a very well-known theologian about how do you continue in, the, in, in basic disciplines of following Christ when you have babies and small children? How, how do you do it? You know, what, so much stuff happening. And I said to them, the first thing you ask yourself is, of all these things that you are doing, which of these things, or oh, he said, first thing you ask yourself, does God ever give us too much to do? Okay, that's obviously a tricky question because if you believe God is sovereign and wise and everything, he will say, no, he doesn't give us too much to do because he knows. <laughs> then he says, okay, if he doesn't give us too much to do, then, then of all those things that you're doing, which of those things is not something that God has given you to do? And he said, listen, keep the kids. Don't. Don't, you know, hold on to them. Don't uh, wipe them off your calendar. But, but what of all the other things? So what are those things so, so for, that hinder us from seeking His face? But then He says, turn from your wicked ways. And I, and I really believe that there's, there's a place where God is calling us as a church family to love one another in such a way that we can sit next to the bride place fire, and I can say to my brother, listen, the way that you spoke to your wife there, or that thing that happened, or that thing, that I can say, I, I don't know, it's not cool. Or that we can call each other to, a, to, a, to up to closer to Christ. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? That we love each other enough that we can say the uncomfortable things. That we love each other enough to say God is calling us to something greater. Obviously, that's a two-way street, right? So I need to be willing to receive that as well. But I believe there's a liberty and there's a freedom and there's a glorious uh, freedom that God calls us to that comes with walking in the light. Okay. Turn from anything that's not of God. And then he says, and then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive this sin. Forgive this sin. He wipes us clean through the blood of Jesus and heal their land. Hallelujah. Okay, I need to close. So I want to also read from Jeremiah 29. Know that one? Right, we love this one. Okay, okay. Uh, verse 11. So we, we, we only quote 11, but I want us to read a bit further. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We know that one. And it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will, destroy, I will restore 
your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where you have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from the place from which I have uh, sent you into exile. Okay, this refers, this is obviously the context of the, the nation of Israel in exile, far from everything. They've been there for thousands, not thousands, hundreds of years, and a lot, a long, long time, okay? And so, yes, there's a promise there, but there's also an invitation that you would seek me with all your heart. I, I'm so convicted that it's as if the life that we're living, the society we're in, there's not a lot that happens with all your heart. Are you with me? Because my heart is wanting to be divided between so many things. My, when he talks about heart here, it's not only talking about your emotions, but also your thoughts and your focus. It feels to me in these days, there's not a lot that we do that we do with all our heart. Because there's just, we're just divided and distracted and all over the place. But he's requiring us to seek him with all our heart. Single-minded. Focused. Consecrated. It means separated for something, for him. It's, it speaks of, a, of something that is, that is set aside for a very pure, very holy purpose. Seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's amazing. I will be found by you. Okay, I want to close... Um, yeah, you know, and just did what I read there from Psalm 24. Uh, see, it, it declares he is not sworn deceitfully, or you know, made an oath deceitfully. And and I was just convicted that even in our relationships, even in our the, you know marriage oaths that we have made, are we are we being pure and holy and consecrated in our relationships? Are we loving each other in our church family in a way that really pleases God? I believe he's calling us to that place. He's inviting us to that place of single-minded focus, seeking his face. And um, and for me, it's it's one of those things. It's it's a it's it's an uncomfortable journey to get there because of habits, right? We are people people that we get into habits, <laughs> great ones and not so great ones. So the uncomfortable bit is getting rid of the habits that pull us away. And the, and the thing is, it's not, it's not like it, I'm only talking about extreme hectic sin and stuff like that. I'm talking about just things that are, don't seem bad on the surface, that just take a lot of time, that don't mean anything. Just actually just keep us busy and keep us away from God. But He's inviting us to this place to find that one thing, to be delivered from anxiety and worry and much stress and much distraction, and to be like Mary, to sit at his feet, to be like David, that in the midst of the chaos of his own son trying to kill him and him losing everything that he had, to declare, Lord, there's only one thing that is important to me right now. There's only one thing, and that's your presence. Nothing else is important that I might dwell in His presence.
And that's what He is inviting us to. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Can we uh, hand out the communion? I think there's, we have one or two hands. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so I, I, in my own life, I've seen the Lord is, I had, to, I had to repent of stuff. I had to forgive people, okay? <laughs> you know, realizing I'm carrying stuff that, that is not of God. I'm carrying things that, that is slowing me down, stuff that's pulling me from Christ, all right? So, I, you know, unforgiveness is a big one, you know? So, repent. Uh, uh, repentance is so powerful because the Scripture says, repent so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord, and we forget about the refreshing bit, but repentance is amazing because once you've repented, there's just grace and this refreshing. So I, I love that. I do that a lot. Amen? Lots of repentance happening. But um, um, one of the things I was convicted of is that it's not only things that I'm doing this I'm distracted with, but things that God is calling me that I'm not doing, saying, listen, He's inviting me to, to shift my focus and to shift so that I'm finding the thing that is really important, those things that are drawing me closer to Him, those things that are being a blessing to the people around me, to my church family, those things that, are, that He's really called me to do. Amen? And I believe there's that, that, that circumcision, thank you, circumcision of the heart is necessary for us to to come to that revelation of what what is really important. Psalm 86, I, I want to mention. Um, David, again, David writing Psalm 86, verse 11. He says, teach me your way, O Lord. That's a good prayer. Amen? Good prayer there. If you don't know what to pray, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. Unite my heart to fear your name. I can relate to him because it feels sometimes our heart are divided. Our thoughts, everything is all over the place. But he says, Lord, unite my heart. Bring it all together to do only one thing, to fear your name. I don't want to fear anything else. Don't fear death. Don't fear people. Don't fear what people can do to me. But I will fear only your name. Unite my heart. Bring me to a point, Lord, where there's nothing else going on but what's, what you are requiring of me. Are you with me? And if we look at those weapons of mass distraction and so much happening in our heads, this is a good prayer to pray. May Lord unite my heart, Lord, to fear your name. He says, Scripture says that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's, and there's such a lack of that in our society. Such, even in our own midst, I believe this is, God is calling us to a place of having a fear of God that's biblical and healthy and that's godly and that glorifies Him, that pleases Him. Okay. Um, I'll just take a moment before we have communion just to pray. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in this place. 
thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that we are able to enjoy your presence and your peace in this place because you have paid the price through the blood of your son, Jesus. You have opened the door. You have made this way for us. And we are so grateful. We're so grateful that you have made this way for us. We have not earned it. We have not worked for it, Lord. We are so thankful for the blood of Jesus. As every eye is closed this morning, if you are here and you are not yet born again, you do not have a relationship with the Father, you do not have a peace in your heart about your eternal destiny, you, in fact, you know right now you're far from Him. And before we have communion, I want to invite you to, that He's inviting you this morning to respond to Him. He's inviting you to lay down your life and to follow Him as King and Savior to turn from your wicked ways and to repent of your sin and to put your faith in Him. And if that's you this morning and you have a conviction that you want to take that step today, you want to lay down your life and you have a conviction that you need to follow Him, that it will be my awesome privilege this morning to pray with you. So while every eye is closed, if that's you this morning and you want to follow Him why don't you just raise your hand for a moment and I'd love to just pray with you briefly. Is there anybody like that? Amen. Amen. I just want to read from 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, this is our heart right now, Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for the cross. We cannot fathom what happened there that day, but we know that without that moment, we are nothing. Without your sacrifice, we are dead in our sin. So this morning, we celebrate the cross. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus, that you endured that torture and that pain, that your body was destroyed, broken, buried, so that we can have life, that we can be whole, that we can enjoy healing and whole fullness of life, Lord. We thank you for your provision through the broken body of Christ. And even as we eat this bread together, we remember that and we receive again your perfect provision. We receive again your provision in every single imagine, way imaginary. You have made provision for every single thing on the face of this planet. Everything we may encounter, you have already made provision. And as we take this bread and we celebrate and we remember, we thank you for your provision, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's eat together.
of Jesus. With Lord, your word says that this life, the life is in the blood. And as we partake in the blood of Jesus, as we take this juice as a symbol of your blood that was shed, we thank you for life. Thank you that that blood that was shed, as it was running down the cross, it's seeping into the ground, that blood is still there today. The blood of Christ is still in the soil, it's still in the ground, and it still proclaims life. It still proclaims fullness of life. It still proclaims healing and deliverance to the captives. It still declares that whoever puts their faith in Christ will know fullness of life, not only on this earth, but in eternity, Lord. It declares fullness of health and life, and we thank you, Lord, for a clean slate. We thank you that your blood washes us clean and has met every requirement that there was against us. Your blood has met that requirement, Lord, and we thank you for it. And as we take this juice, we, we celebrate the blood and we receive new life again. We thank you for resurrection power in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Oh, we thank you that as we take this juice, Lord, as we celebrate and we thank you for your blood, Lord, we declare over every life here, over every family, over every person that's maybe ill, we declare over our communities represented here, over our city and our nation, we declare the blood of Jesus is sufficient for you. We declare health to every sick person. In the name of Jesus, we receive provision of healing in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that your broken body and your shed blood, Lord, is sufficient for us, Lord. We thank you that you not only die, but you rose from the grave, Lord. And that we rise with you in newness of life, Lord. Thank you for resurrection life, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, and we thank you for your word today. And we pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would convict our hearts, Lord. Thank you for your gentle conviction, Lord. That you would, I just see the finger of God just coming gently and just pointing out to us. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.